0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Next Level People podcast. I'm your friendly neighborhood recruiter and the host of this show, Greg Johnson. I am committed to this being a no BS, no fluff show where you'll get to hear from some amazing people about some really interesting topics and walk away with easily implementable action items that will help you get to the next level. So buckle up and let's go. Well, hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Next Level People. I have another fantastic guest for you that if you've been on LinkedIn and seen the LinkedIn videos movement, I guarantee that you've seen Goldie Chan with her awesome green hair talking to you through LinkedIn video. She also, together with Fahad and Mike, Created the hashtag five videos and now the plus five video challenge on LinkedIn. And she is all over the place. Uh, She has created an incredible brand that is very recognizable, so recognizable that some people in LinkedIn, New York, actually were her for Halloween. And so we're going to be talking about, you know, all things Goldie how she got her start and then also how is it that we can create a brand that sticks are there a few things that we can do consistently that will make us pop out in people's minds even if we're not right in front of them at that moment if they hear something they automatically think you so goldie thank you so much for for joining us on the podcast today i am super excited to be chatting with you today
1: well, I'm so excited that you're having me, Greg. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's awesome. So, Goldie, tell us first, I guess for the you know 0. 0.105 people on LinkedIn that don't know who you are, give us a little snapshot of who, who is Goldie Chan?
1: Sure. So I have been working really in marketing and branding forever. (laughs) Like a small child's or teenager-ish child's age worth of marketing experience. Um, And what I specifically do is I like to kind of break the mold. So when LinkedIn video was in beta, I had this great idea. I thought I'm going to do 20 videos in a row just kidding. I actually think I started with, I'm going to do five videos in a row. Um, not a lot of other people even had the beta. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to try this out. I'm going to focus on the subject that I love the most pop culture. Hmm. And I'm just going to try to get through five. I got through five miraculously. And then I got (laughs) through 10 and then right around when I got to 50 and these are daily videos, as you know, Mm -hmm. um, Greg uh, but once I got to 50 daily videos that's when the crazy stuff <laughs> started to happen yeah um, I was uh, featured in um, the CEO Jeff Weiner's keynote speech on what is what are interesting LinkedIn videos how are people really using this uh, this piece of technology in a different way than what they were actually expecting. Um, as you know, and you mentioned, I was the official Halloween costume (laughs) for the, for the video team LinkedIn, um, which I've never experienced before in my life. So it was pretty hilarious to be an official Halloween costume. Um, and, uh, and I have just experienced such amazing community I have been building hashtag campaigns of course I built the one hashtag five videos with Mike and Pod. I did another one with uh, Fiona that's hashtag one min millennial to focus Mm. on millennial branding Um, and then there's something of course I can't actually talk about that's coming up in December Um, so be excited excited. yeah Uh, (laughs) but um, that was my long-winded explanation of what I've been doing specifically on LinkedIn which is really creating interesting video content around pop culture. I travel a lot for work um, mm-hmm. around traveling. And also I've been doing lately a lot more pieces of first timer advice. As I'll call them how to get your first job, um, how to the first time to think about building your personal brand. So all these mm-hmm. things that when you're just starting out or, maybe you're restarting out in life, yeah. right? We all have those moments where we start over again. Mm-hmm. I'm giving little pieces of advice um, there specifically because I've also worked with C-level executives to think about their branding and sometimes their complete rebranding. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so a lot of my expertise comes actually from those experiences. And then of course helping the, the average Joe with really thinking, you know, what is it that I really want to be doing with my life and what do I want to be known for? And that's why branding is so powerful because Mm -hmm. if you tell someone who you are, people will a lot of the times believe you if you say convincingly enough,
0: right? Right. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's, I love the stuff that you've been putting out and especially the, the, branding for like the newcomers. Cause that's actually exactly how I was able to kind of cultivate the people that follow me on LinkedIn. It's just the stuff that I thought was too basic to post because it's been the kind of life that I've had over the last, I don't know, six or seven years. I just started posting and people ate it up. And I think mm-hmm. that Adds a lot of value. And I've seen the, the videos that you've been putting out lately, like the here's a, you know, three tips for interviewing or how to ace an interview and, and things like that. So I love those pieces. And I, I was just talking to a really good friend of mine who is kind of going through what you said, uh, not necessarily branding themselves for the first time, but figuring out one, I mean, what is their brand to begin with? And two, they're trying to rebrand themselves because it's like it's, they're kind of going into a different direction and want to be known for something not necessarily completely different but they just want to be known for what they're trying to get into and i so branding is such an important piece to that Uh, i recently wrote an article uh because it was just inspired because my four and a half year old son uh who had never in his life seen an episode of power rangers was absolutely Ugh. adamant that he had to be the blue Power Ranger. I was like, what in the world? Where did this come from? I mean, I'm cool <laughs> with it, but like for months leading up to Halloween, he was set, he was going to, like, we are going to be the Star Wars family for Halloween. And I was like, all right, right, cool. And then what I found out was somebody, like, one of his kids talked about Power Rangers, and then all of a sudden, without ever seeing a single episode, he had to be. The Power Ranger or the Blue Power Ranger for Halloween, and all of that is because somebody else told him about Power Mm -hmm. Rangers. And so branding Mm -hmm. has that same effect, where if you have a strong personal brand like Goldie, you have a very strong personal brand. Mm -hmm. If somebody, if you were to try to convince somebody with that you just met for the first time, hey, this is what I do. This is why I'm uh, really good at this. This is my expertise, they might believe you. But if, a, uh, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30 people all say, Hey, Goldie Chan is really good at this. And then you come and say, Hey, I'm really good at this. You're reinforcing a belief that they already have. And that's why personal brand is so important because it's not necessarily about what you say about yourself, but it's about what other people perceive you as. And so I want to dive into today, Goldie, because you are the expert. If there's anybody listening that doesn't believe it, let me tell you right now, Goldie is an expert at this. (laughs) How do we create from maybe somebody that's just starting off their journey or maybe somebody like the C-level executive or whatever, how do we create a brand that actually sticks? How How do we get started on that so that people think, Greg when they think about a specific topic, or they think Goldie when they think about a specific topic? How do we get to that level? What What's the first step?
1: So the first thing that I like to do whenever I'm talking to anyone, and that's that includes, I do a lot of mentoring. So I speak to a lot of young people who are really thinking about their first jobs, right? They're in school, or they're in special uh, nonprofit programs, because they couldn't afford school. So they're They're going through technical training and they're trying to figure out what they want to do for their first job. And for those people, I always ask to start, what is it that you want to be known for? Right? Do you want to be known for somebody who's, and they don't, and it doesn't have to be like, I want to be known for being a firefighter. Right. Right. It can be, I want to be known for being really creative. Okay, well then let's think about what that actually means in terms of a real job. But, you know, I want to be known as being the person who can connect the dots. I want to be known as uh, the person who is, and this is obviously for my C-level executives, I want to be known as a titan of industry in my vertical. And I will say there's this really funny story. I was managing the C-level executive, and I don't want to, I won't call out names, yeah. but... <laughs> he was very interesting because he had this fortune 500 company that he was running. And in addition, he loved sheet music. So hmm. he wanted to, and, and I think that he didn't really understand maybe how to get a singular piece of per- personal branding out there. Usually with personal branding, you want to pick one thing and then right. maybe one other thing on the side, usually kind of connected. So it makes sense uh, for him. It was really tough because when I looked at his social media feeds, for example, he had been posting 50% about sheet music and 50% about his company and it looked just like a hodgepodge mess. So one of the things that we did that I did when I started out with him is really ask him how important was sheet music <laughs> to mm-hmm. him yeah. and how important was it that you know he really get that out there. And he's like, well, you know, I want to get out there sometimes. And I was like, great. So sometimes is very different than 50% of the time. Right. So let's think about how we can put this in naturally as this is a personal interest of yours, but 99% of the time you are a Titan of industry. So 99% of the time you are really incredibly focused on being a great leader, uh, an incredible thought leader, and just overall somebody that is really interested in all the news that's happening in your particular industry. And so we, landed on that as his personal brand and executed that. Um, but yes, I would say that when you're starting to think about your brand for the first time, really think, what do you want to be known for? And it's just an interesting thought exercise to start. There mm-hmm. are a few other questions that I, of course, ask as well.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's a perfect question. That's exactly the same first question that I started off with my friend that I just mentioned. Uh, so I love that exercise because like you said I mean there's there's so many things that we as a person do. Uh you know like I'm I'm a father, I am a husband, I love going camping, I love drinking coffee and I but I I can if I want to be known, if I want to have a brand that sticks, it has to be like you said more geared towards one specific subject rather than i want to be known as a camping guy but i also am a recruiter and i'm also super interested in in being a dad and all that stuff it it can get confusing and so focusing on that thing is is really an important first step and so uh the once once somebody figures that out they they realize okay i want to be known as a leader in uh, We'll take uh, my buddy, Jason So I think you, you know who he is, right? Yep. Th- yeah. So we'll take yeah. him. He's, he's in the finance space. I want to be known as a thought leader in the finance space, uh, for this specific thing. How does somebody like that move forward, uh, in just creating that sticky brand?
1: Sure. So the first thing that is helpful when you're thinking about personal brand is once you've figured out that big box idea, right? For Jason, it's it's finance. Then he needs to narrow down. Now, finance has so many different subsections to it. But even before that, he has to figure out who his audience is. So the second thing I like to ask is, especially if people get stuck on that first question, is who are the types of people that you want to attract, right? And this, of course, in life applies to more than just business brands.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Cough, cough. Nudge, nudge. Um, This applies to other areas of your life as well. Once again, not going to name names, but personal relationships. Mm -hmm.
0: Cough. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Bless you. Are you okay? You need to. Yes, I think it
1: must be must be that I'm sick right now.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, (laughs) Part of that is who do you want to attract? Who do you want to be part of your, as I call it, tribe? Right. As As you know, you've seen me. I talk a lot about community and part of your part of who you're developing as your audience is your community. And so it's so important to know who you're trying to attract. So if you know, for example, that you want to do finance, now what kind of finance people are you trying to attract? Are you attracting the kind of people who are really doing, they kind of hack the system, they are maybe 110% into Bitcoin. We all know those people. They're my friends. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or 1,020 million percent into blockchain. Or are they very traditional finance people? Do they work on Wall Street or various uh, different financial hubs? Mm -hmm. And it's really helpful to figure out what type of person you want to attract first and then actually go into, okay, well, there are so many different sub-levels of finance. There's personal finance. There's traditional finance. There's mergers and acquisitions. There's so many different things that you could focus on in finance. And, you know, either doing it one way or the other, right? Figuring out your audience or figuring out those sub-levels is definitely the way to go. But I always like to think, audience, do you want to hang out with the crazy kids? Or do you want to hang out with the more established, uh, older folks, I'll mm-hmm. call it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Start. Mature, mature. Yes, mature. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, no, uh, I. that part, I think, is at least... When I was first starting off, I didn't even know who I. I didn't. I, I didn't really start creating a brand on purpose. It, for me, it was kind of an accident. I posted something. Uh, it was just like, like I, I mentioned earlier, one of those things where I thought it was super, super basic, but it happened like five minutes before I posted it, and it ended up getting, I think, like eight hundred thousand views over the lifespan of the LinkedIn analytics, and I was just dumbfounded. I was like, what did I just do? Like, how did that happen? Because at the time I had very little following at all on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think I maybe had 2000 and I gained that over the course of like six years. Uh, and then posted this thing. I was like, Oh, okay, so let's, let's try this again. And so I kept doing kind of that same thing and I've never gotten 800,000 views since then. So I have no idea still to this day, how that even happened, but, but yeah, the audience thing, I think also it's something that you experiment with, uh, to try and like, if you figure out, okay, I want to go after those Bitcoin enthusiasts, those diehard Bitcoin is the future. And everybody's going to be millionaires if they get into it right now, kind of thing, then just start writing, figure out how do I, how do I write to those people and experiment with it? Because certain things are going to just go nuts and then other things might only get a couple thousand views. Uh, and then you just kind of keep, at least for me, chipping away at what is it that these people actually want to listen to? And it's, it's yes. kind of figure it out as you go. Is that, I'm going to
1: interrupt you right it, there and say... So that's step three. So after you figured out the big, you know, this is the big, ooh, this is what I want to do, the general idea. And then number two, figuring out really your audience and or that, you know, that small funnel that you want to be speaking to. So one or the other. Number three is really narrowing. um, Oh, my gosh, I just completely lost my train of thought. (laughs) Number three is really narrowing down on how to speak to those people, right? So now that you've figured out who they are, how to speak to them in the way that they want to hear as opposed to the way that you want to speak to them. Yeah, There's a difference, as you know. So once you figure out who it is that you want to speak to, just because you are, say, obviously a Bitcoin enthusiast as well, we'll just use Bitcoin as the example, it doesn't necessarily mean that what you find interesting for Bitcoin is the same thing that maybe other Bitcoin investors find interesting. It's so helpful to do your research, Mm -hmm. see what other people are writing about, see the subject and then figure out from there after you've done your research, really what is it that seems to do really well and really attracts an audience Mm -hmm. and start with those pieces of content. I know it sounds not really out of the box, but that's actually how you start to build right. that really sticky, deliciously sticky brand <laughs> is by attracting people with honey that works.
0: Yes. Right?
1: Attracting, yeah. attracting all of those lovely bees with flowers that are ready for pollination because other people have already tried these kind of flowers before
0: right. and
1: they've worked. That doesn't mean, of course, regurgitating content, but figuring out general subjects Yes. And then giving your own opinion, your own useful opinion, your own helpful, value-adding mm. yeah. <laughs> thoughts and opinions on that particular subject.
0: Exactly. And I think part of that research is, like you mentioned, finding those articles or whatever and commenting on the articles to try and get engagement within that person's article. And that's kind of a twofold thing. One, it helps to solidify your own opinion because either people agree with it or they disagree with it and you get to have a debate about it and figure out, okay, what what is my actual opinion on it? And then two, the person that wrote that article and the people that you've been engaging with, as long as you're not being a complete turd in how you're talking to people, they're hopefully gonna engage when you post your own stuff. And so a right. super easy way to start, and this is something that people... This is kind of how I answer the question of I don't know even how to start creating content. My mm-hmm. my answer is well, you don't really have to create original content right in the beginning. What you could do is find we'll just keep using Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Find an article that you find super interesting. Actually read the article and then write maybe a three to five sentence thing on why you thought this article was interesting and share it to your network. The interesting thing about that, and I'm curious if you agree or disagree with this one, and uh, if you disagree, please, this is an invitation to tear me a new one on this, but a lot of people don't even open that article, they'll see your three to five sentence opinion on it, they'll see the title of the article, and then all of a sudden, you are the owner of whatever that perceived information and knowledge and wisdom about that topic is. And so you start kind of branding yourself, it's an it's a, I guess, branding light a diet brand, if you if you will. Um, But what, what are your thoughts on that just kind of getting started when you don't know how to create your own personal content?
1: Yes. So I agree. That's a great idea to start is to quote an article or quote, especially an article from one of those sites that we think of as being a thought leader site, right? Mm -hmm. So Forbes, Inc, HuffPost, Entrepreneur, any of those magazines that really, or is a thought leader in your field, for example, in, in biology, that would be nature magazine, right? Right. So whatever is the, the true thought leader publisher, of content quoting that and then giving like you said three to five sentences or even a couple of bullet points about why that particular article is interesting you now own the fact that you now own both the idea of that particular article and you also own the fact that you are in a, a person who has opinions about it right exactly <laughs> which is rare and People don't understand how rare it is to actually have an intelligent opinion
0: Key, about a big yeah, focus on intelligent.
1: Right. So if you're just posting, reposting articles to be like, ooh, money, right? <laughs> we'll throw Bitcoin out there as an example. Right. It's not very helpful if you just say, Ooh, Bitcoin went up. What is helpful is saying ooh, Bitcoin went up, say, over the last two to three months at 26% per quarter, blah, 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 um, and, and having throwing some extra knowledge in there that maybe you even honestly pulled out of the article. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you're putting it in that little text box, text box, especially on LinkedIn, is incredibly helpful. And I know that people have done this as well with videos on LinkedIn I've seen, especially for the hashtag five videos campaign, that people are starting to quote videos uh, by people who are maybe bigger influencers in the space. And then Mm. they say, Oh, this is something that really impacted me. Part of what I did with Mike and pod is we really wanted to keep that challenge incredibly open. So that way people could contribute whatever they felt like to five videos. So it didn't necessarily have a question to answer. And so people, made up their own questions, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it was actually easier than for other people who maybe didn't want to do a video to then take those videos because they were all so different. And I'm so thankful to be a part of it and a part of the LinkedIn video community. But people took those videos and then said, wow, this was a video on loneliness and this really affected me. Mm-hmm. Or this is a video about my hometown and I really love it. Yeah. <laughs> And this is the reasons why. So people are, are starting to quote these videos that are part of this campaign. So quoting videos or quoting any sort of thought leader publisher content is a really great way, like you said, to do a content light version right. to jump in and just get started on creating content. And I will say that because, as you know, I'm such a fangirl for LinkedIn video, mm-hmm. what I've noticed is the same people who get incredibly nervous on video one and video two, by video five, they really do feel like it is significantly less scary.
0: Yeah,
1: And that is the beauty of learning to ride a bike or learning to swim is First couple tries are incredibly scary, of course, because you're putting yourself out there, you're vulnerable, but by the next few times of these, this particular kind of content creation, you suddenly feel, oh, now I know how to do it. It's scary, but it's not as scary. And I know one of uh, the people that's doing this challenge, she's on video, she just passed video 20, <laughs> oh, she's wow. just been pumping them out. And for her, she was like, wow. The first video, I was terrified. My voice shook. I was just so scared out of my mind. And she's on video 20, and she's like, I get this now. I understand my brand, mm-hmm. and I also understand the kind of content I want to put out there, so it's less scary.
0: Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I've i loved watching that. And I actually – I I need to confess something live on this, but only if you promise not to hang up right after I confess it. Are you ready?
1: Yes.
0: I only did four videos.
1: (laughs) I think I remember you writing about that.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. No, I did. I did four videos. And then I was like, because the weekend that I was going to do the fifth video was actually during the same weekend uh, that I had a hackathon thing that I was doing all weekend. And I just, I totally slipped it. So here's my promise live recorded. I will do another five videos and then I'll do a plus five because I owe it to Goldie, Mike, and Fahad. So that way I'm not a fraud anymore, guys. I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) I know we. There has been a lot of people. It's so funny when you are somehow the shepherd of the lost sheep of video. Yeah. And I know that other people who are like myself who are community leaders, specifically in LinkedIn video, which is such almost a hilariously niche product. Right. we get people who message us all the time. They feel really guilty because yeah. they haven't done something like you didn't do the fifth video, um, and you feel personally guilty towards me and the other organizers. And and I think that's kind of wonderful because I feel that guilt holds you accountable. Right. And <laughs> and the whole point of starting any of these challenges, and as you know, I even did a video on how to do your own hashtag challenge, which. That went viral, which is the funniest thing ever is when a video about how to go viral goes viral. It's just, it's such a meta concept.
0: Right, exactly. (laughs) Uh,
1: But uh, it was just so interesting to see how guilty people felt when they didn't finish it or how, um, as you know, Greg, I am such a mama bear and I want everything (laughs) to be hashtag safe space. Yeah. And I do not like when people try to make a space unsafe, but people were messaging me and just saying, you know, how is this? Is this okay? Am I doing this right? right. And it's it's been such a pleasure to really message people back or comment on their videos and say, there is no right way to do this. Mm-hmm. So you are doing this right by nature of you just trying. And right, that, exactly. that has been so wonderful. And I am so thankful to be part of that. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, no, the the reason why I love it. And so I I do public accountability stuff. Like, for example, uh, I was as a kid diagnosed with ADHD. The doctor told me I had the highest level of impulsivity that he'd ever seen in his career. And I was like, gee, thanks, doc. That's great. (laughs) Uh, And so I have a really, really hard time finishing a book. And so, I don't know, a month ago, actually, yeah, a month ago, uh, I on Instagram was like, I am going to read one book a month for the rest of the year or for the for the next 12 months. Um, And I put it out there specifically because I have a very like if I say I'm going to do something, Mm -hmm. I have to do it. And which is why I felt so bad about the uh, the whole five videos thing where I didn't do the fifth (laughs) one. because i feel like i not just you but i i literally don't think that anybody on linkedin even noticed to be honest that i didn't do the fifth one other than you maybe because you know you're the the creator together with mike and fahad and you guys probably judge me all night and have a meeting about it (laughs) no but it's uh i for whatever reason that public accountability is so strong and so just kind of a side note if you want to create a brand and hold yourself accountable if you're like me say, I am going to do this thing publicly on LinkedIn or wherever, and then just keep going with it. Because if you don't, even if nobody cares, you know that you didn't. And that guilt is such a powerful motivator, at least for me. I don't know. Maybe that's yeah. just how I grew up. But yeah, that is that is a public accountability thing is so huge. Yeah. Right, so the next thing, so let's say... They've gone through steps one through three, and then they've started getting traction. They've started kind of, you know, building that tribe or finding that tribe and that community, and it's been really solid. The next step, and this is actually where I'm at in my journey, uh, trying to break, not break out and leave that tribe, but trying to add more people into that tribe. It, I've I've found a very tight niche community and it's growing, but I want to be able to reach out and influence other tribes as well. How does somebody go from their very tight niche core tribe to breaking out into a new area?
1: So I'll use an example of one of my weird college friends. I had a lot of
0: weird college friends. I'm weird of myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: and one of them rode a unicycle. And he told me that the first step to learning how to ride the unicycle, which is a really specific kind of vehicle, (laughs) is to learn how to ride a bicycle first, right? And a lot of us learn how to ride a bicycle by learning how to ride, say, a bicycle with two extra wheels. right? Or we rode a tricycle as a little kid. Mm -hmm. Um, And I use that as an example because in order to broaden your audience, first you need to become an expert in a very narrow, incredibly niche area. And that's the easiest thing to do right now, especially when the internet has so much noise. There's so much noise. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to hear through that noise. Right. So The best way to be heard through the noise is to be a really strong pinpoint led light as opposed to trying to be maybe a flashlight to start right right? so you want to have an incredibly small narrow niche first which is what those first three steps focus on and then once you've established for example that you are an expert in bitcoin technology then you can start to talk about erythium right Mm -hmm. then you can start about to talk about blockchain then you can start to talk about areas that surround that incredibly narrow niche, but now you've already developed an audience that is listening, and they probably also like these satellite topics too, so they will probably not leave, but you'll also put in people who are interested in altcoins, right? Mm -hmm. You'll also add in people who are interested in all these other side subjects, and they'll come into the fold as well. So I would say it's about learning the very basics, having an incredibly sharp and narrow focus first, and then from there expanding out because you've already created a base that will most likely not leave if you start talking about these surrounding topics.
0: Beautiful. That was an excellent analogy. I So I love that. I feel like I would get along with your unicycle friend. I have, I still have a ton of, I am a weirdo. I have a ton of weirdo (laughs) friends and I feel like I attract, not that I'm saying you're a weirdo, but I feel like I attract- I'm a weirdo, I
1: already said it. There you go.
0: Okay, so I feel like I attract, I mean, obviously you, your vibe attracts your tribe. I for sure have like, I have such weird and interesting friends that are doing some incredible creative things. And I love, I love that analogy. So we've gone through kind of the, I think we've gone through four steps, uh, where the first one is you got to figure out what do you even want to be known for? Number two, you got to figure out who is your audience, who do you want to attract? And then you've got to start kind of experimenting and figuring out how to speak to those people. Not everything's going to work right away. You've got to experiment with it, and the way you experiment is just consistently Contributing and engaging with those types of people, and then number four, you've got to you've got your your brand kind of solidified. You've got your tribe. The way to bre- branch out from there is to kind of start slowly poking your head out into those satellite topics. And so, is there anything else? Because I want to make sure that if there's anything you wanted to tell our listeners on creating a sticky brand, what is the one extra bonus piece of advice that you would give someone?
1: So I just watched The Shape of Water last night, mm. about two weeks early before it comes out, and it's Guillermo del Toro's love letter. He's been working on this since, he really he was a kid. <laughs> yeah. And what I thought was so powerful about this movie that's literally a monster love movie is the humanity behind it. And part of what makes a personal brand really strong is understanding that there is a human behind that brand, Mm. right? Understanding that even if you write about Bitcoin all day long, that you are still a person who has outside interests and has a life hopefully that exists outside of just cryptocurrency
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: right. or maybe, you know, it ex- exists mostly within cryptocurrency, but you have friends, you have family, you have outside hobbies, you have other things going on in your life. And that mm-hmm. makes uh, really, instead of making you a dot on the map, it makes you finally the last step into a fully featured human, right? Yeah. Adding that bit of humanity, adding the flaws in, I mean, that's why I thought this movie was so beautiful is that it was not perfect. There's so many movies out there, and I have to say this because I'm also a producer. There's so many movies out there that are that strive to be perfect, mm-hmm. 100% perfect, and this movie strove to be imperfect <laughs> because that's it awesome. wanted to be human. It wanted to be a human love story, and I think that's what really makes the strongest personal brands is ones where you feel a connection to that person Mm -hmm. because we, most of us, I'm of course, uh, Android, uh, humanoid like robot, but most of us are (laughs) actually humans. (laughs) So to have that bit of humanity in your brand is important and quite often, honestly, often overlooked because you think about all these drier subjects that are so important. But you forget that what attracts us to each other as animals is that bit of humanity.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful, I love it. And I'm a little jealous, not a little, I'm very jealous (laughs) that you actually got to see that already. Yeah. That it's something that I've actually kind of been keeping tabs on for a while now, and I am officially very jealous. Of I
1: him. will, I will say something that will make you even more jealous. We no. sat two rows away from Guillermo del Toro. No. I literally could see the sweat on his forehead. Bless his soul. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> because and he is such a fun man. So he spoke a lot about this being his imperfect love letter to humanity and film and you know, just how he loves monsters the same way other people who say like watch Spartacus and they're like, this is the man. He's like, I watched the thing and I was like, this is the man. (laughs) Right. Um, It's just, it's so, it was just so wonderful to see him talk about what, because his, per- his personal brand is so fascinating and could be a complete podcast episode in and of itself. But, I mean, he has always focused on loving monsters. He has his bleak house here in Los Angeles, which is a uh, creepy house full of creepy creatures and props right. and memorabilia. Um, and his brand is so strong because it has that hint of humanity, right? He's a man who loves monsters. Yeah, That's yeah. all it is. He's a man who loves monsters who makes films about his love.
0: Yeah. No, that's awesome. And for anybody that is listening to this, if you have not, just Google Guillermo del Toro house and look (laughs) at the pictures. It's really, really cool. I mean, he obviously he has an absolute love for what he does. And it's very, very
1: very clear branding. (laughs) So he has (laughs) a very clear, clear personal brand. And for some of us, it's easy because our personal brand is just what we love. And
0: mm-hmm. it comes
1: out so strongly that it, it naturally makes itself into a personal brand. And and Guillermo del Toro certainly is one of those fascinating writer, director, producer, slash, 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 right. <laughs> kind of people who he he's living his personal brand because he literally could not be anyone else.
0: Yep, exactly. Well, Goldie, I really loved geeking out with you about a lot of different things that I mean, I had no idea it was going to go towards Guillermo at the end. (laughs) I mean, we got to talk about brand, we got to semi geek out about Bitcoin and now we're talking about monsters. So thank you so incredibly much. If somebody wants to connect with you, uh, obviously on LinkedIn, look up just Goldie Chan. She's the only Goldie Chan that I know of with bright green hair. Uh, is there anywhere else that you would like our listeners to be able to connect with you?
1: So you can always connect to me. Like I just said on LinkedIn, it's slash in slash Goldie. Yes. I got slash Goldie. Nice. And (laughs) you can always send me an email at me at Goldiechan.com. That's M E at sign G O L D I E C H A N. Uh, dot com. Wow, I almost read the dot com. And you can also find me at Goldie Chan on Twitter. Or because I'm a huge Battlestar Galactica fan, you find me at Goldie Cylon.
0: Oh my on gosh, I love
1: Instagram. it. Instagram.
0: That's awesome. Very cool. All right, so there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. If you're interested in figuring out how to create a sticky brand, this is the episode for you Goldie thanks so much for joining me today
1: of course thank you so much for having me
0: all right see you on LinkedIn oh my goodness there were some amazing nuggets in that episode with my friend Goldie Chan and if you have not started following her yet on LinkedIn you need to go do that as I'm recording this right now she's actually talking to the LinkedIn video team in New York and so I guarantee there's going to be some amazing content coming out of that So go follow her on LinkedIn. And until next time, I'll see you on LinkedIn also.